I'm the youngest in my family, the first and only one to graduate from high school. I went on to college. I have an advanced degree. I'm a combat veteran. I, I founded an organization. I'm a world medalist. But if I look back and, and really narrow down that one point in my life that changed, it was that I got an opportunity to participate in a sport that allowed me to be as authentically as I was gritty, a fighter, and I could come to practice and, and get out any anger, any frustration. I think we're finding that strength is beautiful and power is beautiful. And, and I, I do think that that's really important within both rugby and wrestling to show that you can, you, you really can do whatever you want and you can be whatever you want. And it doesn't have to be a box that society puts you in. Um, and you can use these as outlets to show your strength and show your beauty in a different way than what maybe society has been telling us as females our entire lives. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Powering Up, our cross-generational podcast about leadership, power, and gender. I'm Ann Doyle, author of Powering Up, How America's Women Achievers Become Leaders. My co-host, Monica, will be back with us next Sunday. And we're coming to you from the Motor City Women Studios in Detroit. And our topic this week is the power of sports to transform the lives of girls and women. And with me are two outstanding examples of what competing in sports has met um, in their own lives, but they are also both elite athletes and leaders who are now leveraging their skills and experiences to make a difference in the lives of our next generation of girls. And, um, you know, because they both are very passionate about their belief that young girls become great women when they are given the right opportunities early on. And they're doing it through two very unusual sports. So welcome Sally Roberts, founder and CEO of Wrestle Like a Girl. Hi, Sally. Hello. And you're coming to us from D.C., I think, right? I'm based in Washington, D.C., but I happen to be in Mississippi today. Okay. And Aaron Kennedy, co-founder of Girls Rugby, Inc., coming to us from Colorado. Yes. Hi, Ann. Thanks for having me. Hi. Uh, you know, I met both of you recently in Toronto at a global conference of the International Women's Forum, which is a powerful network of women leaders from all over the United States and 30 countries. And you are both alums of IWF's Women Athlete Business Network, affectionately known as uh, WABN. So we're going to talk about that, too. But first, let me give our listeners just a little sense of the amazing credentials you both bring to our conversation today. Erin uh, Kennedy is the Chief Operating Officer and Co-Founder of Girls Rugby, Inc., and the Regional Development Manager for Rugby America's North. And Erin brings experience from her time with USA Rugby, Rugby Canada, and the International Olympic Committee. Uh, she is a world rugby educator, holds a master's degree in sport and performance psychology, and authored the children's book, The Value of Rugby. And Sally Roberts, founder of Wrestle Like a Girl, is a two-time world bronze medalist and a three-time U.S. national champion wrestler, a sports psychology consultant, and a former combat veteran who served six years in the Army as a special operations soldier 
where she volunteered for deployment to Afghanistan. And Sally earned her BA in psychology from the University of Colorado and a master's in sport and performance psychology from the University of the Rockies. You both make me sound as if I was standing still at your age. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You know, but both of your sports are very unusual in terms of girls and women, but they're both growing, uh, rugby and wrestling. So, Sally, um, let's start with you with, uh, with wrestling, because I know there was some big news that just happened yesterday. Uh, what's going on in terms of the sport of wrestling for women? The sport of wrestling had a huge win yesterday. Uh, my organization and, and, a, and we helped with the coalition. We have been working with the NCAA to get the Committee for Women's Athletics to help support the bid for women's wrestling to become an emerging sport. Mm-hmm. Yesterday at the NCAA convention, Divisions 2 and 3 had voted and they passed wrestling as an emerging sport for women. So that means that now within the Division 2 and 3 structure of the NCAA, women's wrestling is an emerging sport. That brings us underneath the NCAA umbrella, opens up $1.7 million of scholarships. It's going to work to provide in-state institutions for the girls and women who wrestle so that they don't have to choose between athletics and education. And we really have increased their educational, social, and financial mobility for the girls and women that, that participate in the sport of wrestling. And, and wrestling is really, I mean, you think of the ancient Greeks uh, wrestling, you know, it's a very ancient sport. But in terms of women, um, it's pretty new, right? But is there cultural bias against the idea of women wrestling? There's, there's a, there is a history within the sport that has made it a challenge, and, and we've been going up against that. So there's, there's two factors that are in play right now. One is after Title IX got passed in 73, 74, and it got implemented, there wasn't the counterpart for male wrestling. So there was not going to be gender balance, gender equity. So when administrators started to really look at Title IX and, and evaluate um, the prong of the, the female participants, they said, well, there's no male, there's no female participants for wrestling. So they started cutting men's wrestling programs due to proportionality and budgets. What ended up happening was that the male wrestling community got really resentful towards Title IX, towards female mm. athletes. And, and, and so here we are 30 years later, and they're now saying, oh, my gosh, it turns out that there are females, girls and women that want to wrestle, and we can support them. And so there was a challenge with getting the, some of the male um, wrestlers and the wrestling community to support women's wrestling because they didn't think that there was any viability to the sport. That has all changed as of yesterday because we have emerging sports status. There are male wrestler, male wrestling advocates, even even women, saying, wow, if we add a women's wrestling program to our men's wrestling, it's going to complement it. It's going to build in proportionality. It's going to build in support, and it's going to build an equal opportunity, which our sport has been missing since Title IX became enacted and was being implemented. Wow. And, you know, I mean, when I first met you uh, in November and you told me about, you know, that you were a wrestler and about this organization that you found, Wrestle Like a Girl, um, I I had never heard of of wrestling for girls in terms of schools. I mean, is it is it widespread or is it in pockets uh, in the United States and perhaps globally, too? What's going on? We are going into our um, 
2020, women's wrestling was in the Olympics starting in 2004. So we're going into Tokyo 2020. Okay. It's going to be the featured sport at the Olympic Games. Oh. Uh, the Japanese female wrestling team, they are 19-time world and Olympic champions. Wow. So it is a sport that's growing globally. It's been growing from the top down in the United States. Um, as of four days ago, the state of Montana has sanctioned girls wrestling as a high school sport. So we now have 21 states that recognize girls high school wrestling as an official sport. And we're growing every day. There's four more states that we know of this year that are going to be voting. We hope that they do accept girls wrestling as an official high school sport. We'll get to 25 states, um, hopefully by the end of this year. So it's now become the fastest growing sport in the United States for girls and women to participate in. I had no idea. And now here's another unusual sport. I mean, the same thing. Aaron uh, Kennedy, when I, you know, met you um, and you said, you know, you're all about rugby. I was like, wow, I had no idea that there's a whole initiative for girls rugby. So um, tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. So rugby is a very popular sport around the world. Um, unfortunately, here in the U.S., it's just taken us a little bit more time to grow, I think, similar to the challenges um, that Sally's having in the wrestling side. Um, but globally, there's, um, I believe there's about 8.5 million players around the world, and 2.2 million of those are female. Uh, so hmm. it's there's a lot of women participating in rugby. In the United States, um, while our numbers are a little bit smaller than that, uh, we're seeing rugby being up to, um, like girls uptaking it in high school level, um, as well as college. I believe it is a emerging sport on the NCAA list as well for female uh, rugby in college and a lot of adult teams. So what, what we do with Girls Rugby Inc. is we actually started introducing rugby at a younger age um, because we were seeing that girls weren't finding it until high school or later. Mm -hmm. So we actually introduced non-contact rugby using flag belts for girls age 7 to 14. Uh, and we're working right now to expand that across the United States uh, and using the values-based curriculum. So again, as you mentioned earlier on, is how much we can actually get from sport and be able to apply that to our lives. We're trying to do that at a younger age uh, for girls to get involved in rugby. You know, one of the things that struck me when I was reading some of the background that you sent me about um, girls rugby was really the, the message about it being for girls of all different shapes and sizes. And yes. um, there's still, I mean, the whole issue of what girls and women face in terms of body image. I mean, what is it about rugby that is is powerful in terms of that? Sure. And that's a great question. And I do tell people all the time that we are we are an incredibly inclusive sport. It's it does not matter if you are short, tall, bigger, smaller, faster, slower, any sort of strength. Even if you've never played a sport before, there's a position for you on the field. Um, when we talk about the traditional form of the game, it's 15 on 15, and you need you you literally need all different body types and skills in order to be successful as a team. So I think what you hear from women when they find the sport of rugby is the culture around it is so inclusive and so respectful of your body type and your strengths and your abilities. And you find this family really, um, a, a, an accepting family that brings you in and uses your strengths on the field and off the field. And, and you have then a global family of people you're connected to instantly mm -hmm. just because we're, you have that accepting nature of the sport. Mm -hmm. 
And Sally, is there something about body image uh, related to wrestling that's similar to? I know there's different weight classifications in terms of that sport. Yes, we have really been digging in and looking at different demographics across the United States. So when we have been putting policy forward, we're making sure that we have the the, the language written in so that girls can wrestle regardless of their weight. So um, we have girls that are wrestling as, as little as 100 pounds, and we've also included a weight class that goes 215 pounds and higher, and that's getting utilized in, in inner cities. We see more girls inner city that are able to hold that weight and because of that we're able to bring in more girls and women that that they can look at amplify and they become role models and say i am big i am beautiful i am strong we use female forward language we use female forward positioning so that they can say this is how i'm built and i'm beautiful just the way i am Mm -hmm. through that they're getting active they're they're in some cases losing weight because it was an unhealthy um, body style for them at that point Um, And then in other cases, we're finding that there's girls that are 100 pounds who are gaining weight and getting strong and muscular because they had this notion that they needed to be skinny and look like a supermodel. And then they realized Mm -hmm. that in sport, we actually need to, to praise our bodies for what it can do, not what it can look like. And to be strong is beautiful. You know, that is such a powerful message, and I think one that is um, so badly needed because cultures still are giving girls some pretty heavy messages about being soft and sweet and feminine, and and uh, you are both all about being strong. Yeah, I, if I could jump in there, I would just add, like, it is, it is, and I think it's we're redefining what that kind of beauty means, mm-hmm. and I think we're finding that strength is beautiful and power is beautiful, and and I, I do think that that's really important within both rugby and wrestling to show that you can, you, you really can do whatever you want, and you can be whatever you want, and it doesn't have to be a box that society puts you in, um, and you can use these as outlets to show your strength and show your beauty in a different way than what maybe society has been telling us as females our entire lives. Sally, you want to add anything there? Yeah. When you look at a sport like wrestling and and our complementary sport, rugby, these are sports that teach girls how to own their space, their voice, and their bodies. And in that way, we get to help support them by being these role model influencers that have come from the sport who have participated and we're able to help them so that they can learn to unlock and unleash their full human potential, regardless of what they look like, what their, what their background is, their religious background, any of that. We, we take the athletes as they are and we build them so that they can be stronger women, which in turn will make them better leaders, which is what we know that our country and our world needs. Oh, my gosh. You know, I, um, you know, as a baby boomer, I am uh, and I was a tomboy. That's what they used to call us back then, uh, who, you know, used to play tackle football. The only girl who played tackle football with the boys in our neighborhood until my mom called me and said, can't do that anymore. But um, I'm so jealous of, um, you know, the incredible opportunities that Title IX opened up. And I just love to see young women such as you who have become elite athletes because of those opportunities and now passing it on to the next generation of girls. And I'm really curious because um, the the young girls you're working with are really in this next generation. They're the Gen Zs already. And I was just curious, have you noticed um, 
anything maybe different in a, in a positive way about this next generation of girls, young girls? I mean, I hope we're making progress in terms of how they think about their bodies and their place in the world uh, as females. Got to yeah, think so about that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I can speak to it first. So um, the primary age groups that we work with are 7 to 14. And I think what we're finding in the way that we build the programs for girls is that programs for girls up to this point maybe have not built been built for for her needs and we see like especially within i think the male dominated sports is we're seeing more co-ed programs and we're seeing um because it's a little bit harder right it's a harder to grow a program just for a young female um so we go the easy route and we provide a co-ed opportunity and i think what we're finding is that rather than just having that opportunity and having girls take advantage of it is to build more programs that are specifically for her needs, mm-hmm. we're seeing that those young girls are thriving more, mm-hmm. right? They were giving them the right environment so they do feel comfortable and they are seeing other girls that look like them. And I think as now as Gen Zs, more of those programs are popping up and they're being more successful than say when, you know, when Sally and I were younger and it was like the opportunity to play a more masculine, quote unquote, masculine sport, you'd have to play with the boys. Yeah. And you have a lot of girls that will feel comfortable doing that, but we're missing out on the massive population of girls that don't feel comfortable in that environment. Uh. Um, so I think what if you give the girls at that age the right opportunities, we're going to start to see them shine even younger and younger um, because they have the right space to do that. Yeah. Go ahead, Sally, if you want to say anything. Oh, perfect. I'll share from the sport of wrestling. We're finding that now as the fastest growing sport in the United States, the demographic that we're pulling are girls and women that have never participated in sport. We're not pulling them from soccer. We're not getting them from gymnastics. Ah. They're girls and women that have previously been invisible. And because of that, they come to us as this raw talent where sometimes we start out with teaching them forward roles and the body mechanics of that. And sometimes we're able to say, okay, you're here because you have had some sort of behavioral issue and we're going to help you redirect that on the mat. And if you can bring that fight onto the wrestling mat and redirect it, then you're going to give yourself a shot at some, at a better life. And so when we look at that and we start to unpack that, there's certain issues that we're running into because in, in certain pockets of the, of the United States where we go to girls and women, they know that they can do anything because they've been getting told that. But if you're part of that marginalized group of girls and women, whether that's indigenous, you live in rural communities, you have cultural or societal challenges that you have to go up against, then by virtue of you even being brave enough to step onto the mat, you've already become a winner because you're stepping outside of your shell. And be, and when we looked at that population and said, what do we need to do to really help support these girls and women to be anything they want to be? Like what Aaron did, our demographic ages 5 to 18, there was no programming or curriculum that addressed these girls and women. We were the first group to ever say, if you have your period, you do not have to stop participating in the sport of wrestling. It's a contact sport, but there's things that you can do because there was initially a 60% uh, dropout rate from girls once they started their menstrual cycle. So being able to be a female forward sport, being able to be a female forward group that addresses these challenges that are incredibly innate to the female uh, body and our minds and being able to say, you can participate in this sport. 
there's going to be some barriers, but we're going to help you overcome them. And we're going to do it as a group. And along the way, we're going to build a sisterhood that has started to change the culture of the sport. So when you look at men's wrestling versus women's wrestling, women's wrestling, we have a different culture now. Yes, we have a weight class that we have to contend with, but we do it by being body positive. Um, and when we focus on nutrition and hydration and we start to unpack, hey, there's body confidence issues that we need to work with. How do we do that within our sport? And we do that by understanding the demographic and really pulling out those pieces so that the girls and the women that we work with know that they are going to be the makers of their own destiny, but they have to understand that they hold the power within themselves. Wow. Well, I love um, the way both of you are so passionate about and putting your energy into empowering this next generation of girls um, through sports. But I'm also a very big believer in the mantra that people need to understand why you care so much before they really can absorb what you want them to care about. And, uh, and that gets back to who you are. And, and, and your stories. And I, I want to take a little time uh, because you both have powerful stories that brought you to this point in your leadership journey. And, uh, you know, Sally, I'm going to start with you because when we first met up at the conference, just ran into each other and, and had a random opportunity to meet. And you said to me, if it weren't for wrestling, I probably would have been in jail. Would you share that with us, what that's all about? Yeah, certainly. Growing up, uh, we had, I had a really challenging childhood. I didn't like being at home. Uh, my mom had been married five times, so I would go out after school. I would shoplift. I broke into houses. I got arrested so many times that I was given an ultimatum. I was either going to have to go to juvenile detention or find an after-school activity. I tried out for all the girls' sports, softball, basketball, volleyball, but they were all team sports, and I didn't know how to play well with others, so I got cut from them. They, they told me that I was unathletic. And that wasn't the case. I was athletic. I just had a different skill set. So when I looked at the list of activities, I saw that wrestling was a no-cut sport, which meant as long as I didn't quit, I wouldn't go to juvenile detention. I would have an after-school activity, and I could meet all of these uh, parameters that were given to me. Wow. And because of that one decision, I'm the youngest in my family, the first and only one to graduate from high school. I went on to college. I have an advanced degree. I'm a combat veteran. I, I founded an organization. I'm a world medalist. But if I look back and, and really narrow down that one point in my life that changed, it was that I got an opportunity to participate in a sport that allowed me to be as authentically as I was, gritty, a fighter, and I could come to practice and, and get out any anger, any frustration. And I also had a team for the first time, and I was the only girl on the team, so I had a, I had a band of brothers that supported me and, and wanted me to win, and that meant they they supported me being aggressive, which was my true nature in that time, in that space. Mm -hmm. And so when I look back at the sport, I think, wow, wrestling is so incredible. And this should be an opportunity afforded to everyone. Wrestling now in the state of Washington, I was one of the first girls to wrestle. It's now an official sanctioned sport. There's over 10,000 girls that are wrestling across the whole state. And people often credit me with opening that door for girls and women. But I always push back because the person that really opened that door was my male coach that allowed me in and did not say I didn't belong there. So it was really there is that male stakeholder that opened up the door for a woman. And then I continued to open that door for more and more girls and women going down through my lifespan. Wow. And Aaron, I know you also believe in the transformative power of playing sports. I mean, share with us how it uh, has transformed your opportunities and way you're looking at life. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I actually, it, it's, um, I did not play rugby growing up, uh, surprisingly, uh, despite how much I'm into rugby now. Um, I was a uh, three-sport athlete. I always played basketball, softball. I ran cross-country in high school, and sports was such a big part of my life. Um, and I think similar to to Sally's experiences, you know, I was surrounded mostly by males um, participating in sport. I had a brother. Um, there were, I grew up in a small town, so I tended tend to kind of have that draw towards sports that were more masculine dominated. And when I got, even in college and after college, I didn't find rugby until I was 24. Uh, But the experiences that I had growing up in sport and the skills that it gave me, I'd say indirectly, uh, was it was such a big influence, which was why I decided to pursue sports psychology. And I decided to pursue things like coaching education because I wanted to make sure that the opportunities that kids had at a young age was they had the right people leading them in that space. Uh, and with rugby, when it really came into why I started to go towards the girls and women's side of things, the more and more I got into rugby, the more that I worked in it, the more that I played it, um, coached it, I just kept seeing girls turn away from the opportunity of rugby because it didn't fit for them or what they thought fit for them. Mm-hmm. So uh, an example of this is I went to a, a conference with a bunch of Girl Scouts and we had a booth for rugby and it was the first time ever that girls kept running up to the booth and asking, oh, rugby, I can play rugby. How, how do I do this? Wow. And it, it almost turned my eye a little bit. Cause I was like, I, I'm not quite sure why they're, they, they now all of a sudden all these girls were interested. These are young girls. These are the Gen young Z's, girls. right? Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it dawned on me that I was at their event. Um, and oh. if I go to another event that has boys and girls, girls tend to look at the word rugby and say, Oh, that must be for my brother. Or that's, that's not for me. And here I was at a Girl Scouts event. So there was no doubt in their mind that I was there for them. And it was the first time that they had rugby presented to them as an opportunity. And it just, it really clicked for me that we need to be working harder and differently to introduce sports like this at a young age and also be very deliberate about the type of values and the skills that we're teaching them so that when they leave that rugby field or they, you know, they walk off that mat after a match, that they have the skills to be successful in life, uh, which was really the drive to start Girls Rugby Inc. and the work that we do, because we want to help those girls have those skills earlier uh, so that they can face any challenge in their life outside of that. Wow, that's fascinating. You know, um, I mentioned at the very beginning that you both are um, graduates of the International Women's Forum's uh, WABN, or uh, Women's Athlete Business Network uh, Initiative, which is really all about helping elite athletes such as the two of you make that transmission uh the transition from the very demanding world of competitive sports to your chosen professional field which uh for people who are non-athletes might not realize can be more difficult than uh than they realize so um tell me about how that program um has maybe turbocharged each of you to the next level of what you're trying to accomplish I'll share that I was partnered, my mentor was Marianne Bruce. She came from the IWF Carolinas chapter. Her background is banking and business. And at first she was really hesitant to become a Wabin mentor. She felt that maybe she didn't have enough experience or um, background information. And 
she got paired with me from the moment that I spoke with her. It was an incredible match. Her personality was fire, and I respond really well to that. (laughs) We had been together for a full year, and at the conclusion of my Wabin experience, two things happened. One, I came into the program as an athlete, and I left. I I came into the program as an athlete that, that had started a business, and I left being a businesswoman who also had an athletic experience, an athletic journey. So how I saw myself had changed. Wow, your mindset changed. Yeah. Yes, my mindset had totally changed. And the second thing was that she is now the president of my board of trustees. She saw the vision of the work (laughs) that we were doing. She bought into it. She believes that our mission is to empower girls and women using this sort of wrestling to become leaders in life. She's now the president of my board. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And Aaron, how about you? What has uh, the Wabin experience, which is really a year-long program, which includes being matched with a mentor, um, what has that done for you? Yeah, I, uh, I absolutely loved it. Um, I'd echo a lot of what Sally said. It was, it, it's truly, I think, as I get farther into my professional career, to be surrounded by a group of really powerful women who are all, you know, they may not have the same goal moving forward, but they have goals and that they're motivated. And then to meet that through the our cohort with the, the Wabin group, as well as then to attend the conference and meet the, the women all over the world uh, who are part of this, again, global community was really inspiring. And it's something that I'd say that I lack in my professional life here. I'm on the road a lot. I I don't make enough time to surround myself with the right people. And to be part of this group over the last year has been truly inspiring. Um, it's, again, similar to Sally, I had an amazing mentor who I came into it not like I'm I'm program development, I'm operations. I but now here I am. I have my own business, mm-hmm. and to be paired with a mentor who can help with that business type of advice and that business mind, I found it really really helpful in kind of how I want to kind of change the trajectory of my my career and my business and where I go. So just having that network in that group uh, was just such a positive experience for me, and I'm really excited for what's to come. Um, to apply the skills and the and the experiences that I had through the program into what I'm doing, which is going to then hopefully create more opportunities for young girls and uh, empower them to reach their potential and all that fun stuff. Well, as many questions as I have, um, I, we only have so much time, so I want to give you both a chance um, before we wrap up to basically ask you um, what is it that you want, uh, if our listeners really only remember one thing, from each of you, um, what is it that you want them to remember about this conversation and the work you're doing? And uh, Sally, let me start with you. I want everyone that's listening to this conversation to know that there is so much room for growth. And that's going to happen because we have listeners out there that are buying in and they're supporting the work that we're doing. So if you're out there, you're listening and you want to get involved, there's roles that we need women and men from across the United States do, whether that's get involved actively with uh, my organization, Wrestle Like a Girl, or um, any of the other organizations that we have out there. So get involved. That's awesome. And uh, what's your website? It is wrestlelikeagirl.org. There you go. And Erin, what do you want people to remember? Yeah, I think um, I love what Sally said, and I, I I would agree so much with everything we talked about. I think 
we really need to be as a society be more deliberate about how we grow opportunities for young girls um, and i really believe that that is through programs like girls rugby inc and wrestle like a girl where we're building a program just for her and we're you know she's going to have the right opportunities to grow through that kind of stuff so i think for for people out there is like sally said if you see an opportunity to get involved and it, it doesn't have to be at the highest level or tons of hours you know dedicated it could be as simple as following a page or liking something donating your time or your resources to a cause like what we're trying to do and that is going to advance our younger po female populations forward which we all know is going to end up in a, a much better world in the future so i think keep getting involved in those types of things um, and then from a from a girls rugby inc standpoint uh, our website is girlsrugbyinc.com and we are looking to grow we're a newer program so we're looking to grow opportunities in every state uh, and even globally on trying to get more girls participating in sport and giving them that opportunity to to reach their potential so we'd love to have people involved in our our initiatives as well awesome well thank you athletes leaders change agents erin uh, kennedy founder of girls rugby inc and sally roberts founder of wrestle like a girl I wish you both tremendous success with your important and absolutely world-changing work of using sports to help young girls become great women. Thank you both. Thank you, Ann. Thank you so much. Well, have a great week, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Ann Doyle, and let's all go. Let's go. Power up. up. Thanks for joining us at Powering Up, everyone. We hope you'll subscribe and share this uh, podcast with your network. Monica and I would love to hear from you through the Powering Up Women Facebook page or at LDR on Twitter. And remember, power is the currency for getting things done. Claim yours and put it to work.